Aloha, folks. You are listening to Inside the Desert Oasis Room, episode number 142. This episode is sponsored by Tandawai Rum, the world's largest rum producer and winner of over 170 international medals in the past four decades. Check out their webpage at TandawaiUSA.com or follow them on Facebook or Instagram at TandawaiUSA. On this episode, we chat with Matthew Losey. Matthew was born in Hilo on the Big Island of Hawaii and lived most of his life in Kaneohe, Oahu. Hear stories from his decades-long career in television and film from projects he's worked on, including Magnum P.I., Baywatch Hawaii, Hawaii Five-O, and most recently, South Seas Cinema. With his master's degree in Polynesian Studies, we also chat about the sensitive topic of cultural appropriation, as well as learn about what life was like to grow up in the islands. As always, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as we did bringing it to you. And if you did, hit that subscribe button. Subscribing makes it easier for you to follow our adventures. Shares on your social media pages are always appreciated. And if you'd like to help support the show, go to DesertOasisRoom.com to pick up some merch or make a donation. This podcast does not survive without the help of its sponsors or its listeners. So every purchase or donation, no matter the size, is totally appreciated and helps keep this podcast coming to you every week. Okay, grab a drink and join us inside the Desert Oasis Room and give it up for our friend, Matthew Losey. Recording. So let me pour us a couple of sodas for our listeners. Hey, I can uh, leave my glasses or you, take it off. You, you can do whatever you want to do, Matthew. <laughs> so for our listeners that, that don't know, obviously they won't know because they can't see what we're doing, but we are having, we're going to do a, what are we going to call this? We're going to call this a uh, booze-free episode. Okay. Right? Uh-huh. <laughs> Club sodas and well, we won't call it a mock sparkling episode. waters. <laughs> so mo- uh, mock mocktails, but they're not cocktails. Yeah. A few snacks for you. Oh, mahalo. You're welcome. Uh, so, tell our listeners a little bit about your background, Matthew. Okay. So, um, where where you were born and raised, all that kind of stuff. I was born in the southernmost city of the United States. I was just in Georgia recently. Everybody's saying they're the most, not Georgia, New Orleans. Right. Louisiana. Okay. Oh, the Delta is the most southern point. I don't know. Hilo, Hawaii is. It's the most, the big island of Hilo. And I was born there only because my mom was seven months pregnant at the time. And you couldn't get on an airplane when you're seven months. That was too close. Oh, so, so they, so you had to stay. Yeah, we were there for ten months, but it was extended another six months. I had to be born, and then old enough to travel back to Oahu. So. Okay. <laughs> so when you were born in Hilo, mm-hmm. that was a temporary thing right. that happened, and then you moved to Oahu. Yeah, we okay. were originally from Oahu. 
And, and, uh, and what part of, what brought you to Hilo in the first place? Were my you? dad had a job in, uh, in Hilo, I think with the Harbors Division, I think. Okay. And uh, I don't remember that. But anyway, so it was a, it was a, a, like a, a year contract or something. So he had a place there and we packed that mood there just for a little bit. Okay. Okay. Here you go. Thank you. What are we what are we tasting? So I'm going I'm <laughs> going to look at the bottle because <laughs> I don't remember what it says. It's a sparkling water. Mm. And the brand is Izzy. Mm-hmm. And it's a blackberry it just says Izzy sparkling blackberry. So what Tastes do you think? Like it. It's good. I like the sparkling. Good, I, I like always the sparkling like sparkling too. I have a ton of questions okay. for you. That will hopefully I have a ton of answers. Yeah. Okay. So you grew up in Kaneohe. Yeah. Is Kaneohe, that right? Okay. Bamboo man. And what was that like? I mean, now you're you're living here in the mainland now. Mm -hmm. It's got to be a huge adjustment for you. Uh, not really. I was actually raised in Hawaii Kai as a young man. Okay. We moved to Washington State in my wonder years between 8 and 16. So I got the flavor of what it's like to live on the mainland. And How long did you stay there? Eight years. Okay. So it was very interesting from an islander perspective living on the, on the, on the mainland. Moved back to Hawaii, Kaneohe, finished high school there, and... Um, been living there ever since till about a year and a half ago. Yeah. My wife travels all over the world and we thought it's easier and my daughter's a flight attendant at Delta, little plug. Uh, so it's easier to travel from Southern California to visit her. Yeah. Like I said, I just saw yeah. her last week in uh, New Orleans and then um, uh, it's a lot easier to travel than from Hawaii. Yeah, so. because you're five hours away when you're in Hawaii. Oh, it's tough. And those all those flights are always full. It's yeah, really hard yeah. to get in and out when you want to. Yeah, yeah. They're, yeah. they're not doing as many flights as they used to because they don't want to have any idle seats. They want right. every plane full. We kept now, our we kept our house. We were oh, you did? Yeah. You're renting it. If you sell in Hawaii, the prices go up every day, so you'll never be able to come back never be able to come and back. buy another one. Do you have plans to go back? Oh yeah, when my wife retires. Okay. I'm uh, semi-retired, so. Okay. Yeah. So okay. We'll see. So, tell me what it's like to grow up in Hawaii because mm. you were in kind of so you were actually in a working-class city. You're not growing up in any of the tourist zones, or any, you're no. not growing up in Honolulu. You're not growing no. up in Waikiki. You're actually... Right. We call it Windward Side. Windward That's side. a good point because I'm very fair. I am I have Chinese and I have Hawaiian blood, but you never know by looking at me. Okay. And so when I got back uh, to Hawaii, like I said, after when I was 16, uh, I got the, the stares. Uh, who's yeah. this Howley boy? And, yeah. you know, who's this white guy? Yeah. And it didn't take them long. As soon as I told everybody, oh, I got Hawaiian blood, oh, everything yeah. all of a sudden was cool. Everybody loved me. So Yeah. Especially yeah. if I had, a, I had a, a big cousin that everybody knew that was a big all-state football player and college football player. Okay. And he lived down the road, so. Okay. 
oh, you're so-and-so's cousin. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> Everything's okay. <laughs> There's a lot of people that don't know that the, for lack of a better term, the racism is pretty strong in Hawaii for non-islanders. For non-islanders. It, it, it has changed. It used to be pro, you know, the Hawaiians used to be always angry. So, yeah, yeah. but now it's changed. My son's generation, my youngest son, it's more local. Yeah, yeah. It's a mix, like you said, yeah, yeah. yeah. island mix. Yeah. And it doesn't have to have Hawaiian in there. You could be uh, Filipino, Chinese, right, or, you right. know, all kinds of mixes down there. So, as long as you're that local mix, right. you know, you're local, you're, you're accepted. And, yeah, yeah. And as soon as, uh, a fair person, a Caucasian, when they start to speak pidgin correctly, yeah. <laughs> they become more accepted. We call that Kamaina. Yeah. Yeah. So you grew up speaking pidgin? Uh, when I was little. I lost it, raised in Washington State. I came back. I think I can speak it, but people laugh when I do so. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> I would tell the pigeon though, and I would think I'm doing okay, but everybody would laugh. Oh, your pigeon is so hilarious. So. <laughs> oh, oh, that's funny. Yeah, that's funny. yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you went to Castle High. We were talking about this before we turned the recorder on. Mm -hmm. Castle High has a very good performing arts program. Correct. And there are a lot of bands... Mm -hmm. on Hawaiian radio that come out of Castle High. Mm -hmm. Did you ever do any performing arts when you were at Castle High? Uh, unfortunately, I have a little hearing problem. So okay. I don't know what scale it is. A lot okay. of my family okay. on the Hawaiian side are beautiful singers and performers. Okay. A lot of Polynesians, for some reason, naturally are, but I'm not because yeah, of my, isn't that crazy? my hearing. <laughs> it, it's, it's like a natural-born talent, it seems. Right. I was saying to my wife one time, there's so many great performers in Hawaii mm -hmm. that the world doesn't know about. Mm -hmm. In some ways, it's a shame. In other ways, it's kind of like, you know, a little best kept secret kind of thing that's mm -hmm. ours, so to speak, right? But mm -hmm. at the same time, some of these talents, they are going to come and go without the world even knowing. Well, know? thank God for YouTube. Yeah. There's some help there. Yeah. And funny you should say this because suddenly I had this inner thought, I should throw a big concert in L.A. Yeah. I call it, you know, Polynesian, uh, you know, off-island. Yeah. And I want to showcase artists throughout the Pacific that sing not island songs, but other songs like reggae or jazz or yeah, yeah. pop. Yeah. You know. You know, no, part of the problem with that they're doing here in the mainland is because they don't know the artist, it's hard to draw yeah. a lot of, uh, you know, well. Well, I saw the green. I don't know if you heard of them. I, did you see them over the weekend? No. They were here? They were uh, here. They were, so I was in, on YouTube. It was packed. There must have been 15,000, 20,000 people wow, there. Wow. Where was that? Just south of downtown. So I forget. Where I, I was in San Long Diego Beach, over the weekend and I was covering the Island Vibe Music Festival for the podcast. Mm. And The Green was one of the headliners. Mm -hmm. And Molly Music was there. Um, mm -hmm. Who else? The artist So what Thea, was the turnout there? Over 5,000 people. Oh. Huh. Yeah. Is what it looked like. I'm, I'm yeah. guesstimating. But there yeah. were several thousand. At least, yeah. at the very least, 3,000. And I'm it's guessing. mostly Islanders. Yeah, mostly Islanders. So, you know, I, I like other, like you, like others to hear... 
yeah, taste our yeah. food. <laughs> exactly. Listen to our music. And this they event like is really, it. it's very Islander, Hawaiian Islander centric, even mm-hmm. though you have all kinds of Islanders there. You have mm-hmm. Tongans and Samoans mm-hmm. and Fijians and Filipinos. and But, you know, all the booths, all the vendor booths, all the food booths, basically it's all like, you know, the kind of cultural things that you see coming out of Hawaii. And then the music, of course. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, the thing is, it, it's a double-edged sword. Cause I, so the way I look at it is like, it's a shame that that there's not more representation on the radio for that style of music. Mm-hmm. Because I think that there's a, enough of a following that, you know, that there would they could have some success in that. But I think also they don't want to take the chance of, you know, having a station that has that kind of format because maybe there's there's yeah. just not enough. But, you know, it could create that, right? If right. it was it could, put on the air, I think right. it could create that audience. Mm-hmm. I think it's just there. It's like right on the cusp. Yeah. yeah. But I've been thinking that and saying that for the past decade, you know. Yeah, I think this concert would be an, kind of an introductory, but you need to come you need to get to introduced. To, yeah, yeah. So it's... a. Uh, like you said, double-edged sword or... Well, we're a catch-22. Maybe that's a better term. Yeah. When I go to the islands, it's the only thing I want to listen to mm. because it's the right kind of music kind for of where... Kind of vibe. Yeah, for where you are, right? <laughs> yeah. You can't listen to a pop radio or mm-hmm. R&B, hip-hop, whatever. It doesn't feel right when you're in the islands. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. you, want to, you want to get that tropical vibe. And so you have to listen to that island reggae or, you know, Hawaiian-style ukulele, yeah. um, that kind of music. I might have to trap people and you know, invite a reunion of the Jets or... or they, they played Pussy, last year. Pussy Vat, Pussycat Girls. Yeah. yeah, I just saw the YouTube. They did good. Yeah, the Jets yeah. just reunited last year at the Island Vibe Music Festival. This same oh, music festival. Oh, wow. They did it last year. Yeah. Well, I saw a YouTube of them in Philadelphia, a big crowd. Okay. Everybody yeah. was singing out loud to their hits. So. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's, you know, it's an attention getter to get people in the door, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because my wife and I were just actually talking about it today. We were just reminiscing about the last time we were in Hawaii, which wasn't even that long ago. It was like mm-hmm. last last fall, but mm. it feels like forever for us. <laughs> and, of course, we're talking about the music and stuff. And I was like, God, it's just such a shame that we just can't really get it here unless we're streaming it. That makes it a little more mm-hmm. accessible because yeah. you could stream it. So we're streaming. There's an app or a couple apps that you can use to stream island music, but I'm also just going to the websites directly. Right. So. Well, I I buy on Amazon. The big groups, you'll find them on Amazon. Yeah, yeah. You know, download, yeah. buy their music, so. Yeah. So, speaking about music, Yeah. one of the things that I was impressed with is that it seems like everyone in Hawaii can play ukulele. <laughs> And I learned later on that it's because it's taught in schools. Uh, a little bit. Back in the day, it was more of a... We used to go to summer camps. Yeah. And they always taught ukulele there. Yeah. For You know, as part of the yeah. camp. The city and county would sponsor these camps. But I don't know about them now for the newer generation. But uh, but you just pick it up. If someone in your family plays yeah, it, yeah, my yeah. son plays it, and he's teaching his son who's four years old. Oh, nice. So let's see if that... Is your son happen. living here? He lives in Detroit area. This Detroit. Is the, yeah. Okay. I, have, I have three kids. Two of them ended up in the Detroit area, and I can't wait to tell Tom Selleck. <laughs> 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 I 
into him again. <laughs> well, that's another subject. So. <laughs> I want to talk about that too, by the way. <laughs> the Tom Selleck reference is obviously Magnum P.I. Right. That's where I started my internship. So you hinted a little bit about the TV thing. <laughs> Tell me more about that. What, what did you used to do? Well, when I was in college, they had this big first-time uh, student film festival, and there was the grand prize as an internship at Magnum P.I. And uh, my little college, BYU-Hawaii, up in the North Shore, uh, had a nice little film club, and we had 8mm, and I was like the production manager. I was like fourth on the list. But the three people above me... Uh, couldn't make it. One lived in Alaska. One is L.A. Ed Parker Jr., my favorite friend. Shout out. And uh, and um, another one uh, went on a Mormon mission. So I was fourth, but we won. We won the grand prize. And I got the internship because the three guys ahead of me was. So that started everything for my career. Uh, and then I did commercials after that. But I was there at the Magnum's heyday, right? at okay. the peak. He was as big as the Beatles. Oh, okay. Yeah. The stories I could tell, but I won't tell any. <laughs> <laughs> Not from Tom. Tom was a good guy. Yeah. And uh, he was always thinking of others. I, I really enjoyed it. He was some athlete, t- athlete too, you know. How long was that on the air? Eight years, Eight I years. believe. Okay. Eight or nine yeah, years. Yeah, he had a good run. He extended it a year because he thought a lot of the crew member were, had their kids in expensive private schools. And he was worried about that, that they'd oh, have wow. their kids have to drop out because they wouldn't, their parents wouldn't have a good job anymore. So he extended a year basically on that premise. That's awesome. So they could have one more year, their kids could have one more year of good schooling. So Wow. Yeah, wow. That's, that's what an awesome guy he is. Yeah. What, kind of a, what kind of a buzz was it like in Hawaii when you were working on that show? You said that he was as big as the Beatles. Oh yeah, I mean, every day, you know, you're not, you, you don't tell everybody where we're gonna be. Yeah. But all the tourists seem to find out. Yeah. And once they're there, you know, they come, some come from Europe, they come all the way down, and they once they find our show, and they find out like, to the truck drivers where they're gonna be tomorrow, they're there every day. They take their whole vacation, wow. time, a whole week, to be trying to get a glimpse of Tom Selleck crossing the street yeah. from his trailer to the set. And there sometimes it'd be hundreds of people. But it's mostly tourists that are watching it. Mostly tourists. What yeah. about the locals? Are they are they annoyed you know, they just by drive by and honk? And, but know, are they annoyed by the disruption? No, no, no they don't really. care. No. Because there's a lot of stuff that's filmed in Hawaii. I can't yeah. imagine that all of it is. I mean, like, you know, the disruption with the roads and Not the too traffic bad. it causes. A- L.A. is really bad. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, right now they've got are, are that reboot. Yeah. They've got the reboot of Hawaii Five-0 right now. Right. And which is funny because like, I really only started watching it because I just love looking at scenes of Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And I love watching the old Hawaii Five-0 to see what Hawaii was like, you know. Mm-hmm four decades ago, right? Right, right, right. And has it been that long? Yeah. <laughs> and then, and this is going to be funny, but 
I never watched Baywatch. I was one of the people that made fun of the show. Uh, but then yeah. when they started filming in Hawaii, when they did Baywatch Hawaii, yeah. I couldn't stop watching because the scenes were just so gorgeous. The 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 wow. shots that they were getting. Not the girls, huh? The <laughs> well, I know, right? Of course <laughs> no. the girls, but but I mean the the helicopter shots of the beaches and yeah. the island and Can you it, imagine they were my gorgeous. wife? I worked on that show. Oh, did you really? Can you imagine okay. my wife thinking my husband's going to to the beach every day seeing these gorgeous <laughs> girls all around him but it wasn't like that you know and um uh that was that was a that was a hard show actually working was it really? in the sun all the time okay working in the you know i'm so fair you know but uh you the sun can beat you and you get really tired and then walking on the sand yeah yeah, <laughs> you, yeah. You, you can't get oh i wanted to say about that show the last movie with The Rock, the Baywatch, yeah. they had this fat character. You remember? I, Funny I didn't, guy. I didn't well, see, he was a lifeguard. He was overweight. Just the opposite of a Baywatch. That was me. <laughs> because I was 50 pounds heavier then. Okay. And uh, one day I was in charge. Matt, they're going to do some publicity shots. So it was literally you. Go over there. And do it. So here's Jason Momoa, okay. Young, yeah, you know, yeah. all these beefy guys. And I go there and um, I said, you know, I got to get in this picture. So yeah, yeah, for yeah. fun, I stood in the picture. I was running the set. I stood in the picture in the lineup with this big belly. I took off my shirt, big white fair guy and his big belly. And and you could see all the guys looking at me and la looking at my belly and laughing. And that was a kind of a semi-official shot. Uh -huh. So the next year, anyway, it became a, a, a regular thing. Yeah, yeah. The next year, they gave me an official Baywatch shorts with the Baywatch pass. <laughs> nice. So I could be in the lineup for the official publicity. Do you still have those? Yes. Oh, yeah. cool is that? One day I wore it to a movie called Snakes on a Plane. If you watch Snakes yeah. on a Plane, I'm in the opening credits. Oh, I forgot they were flying from Hawaii. Yeah, and yes. Yeah. And my my I'm wearing my Baywatch shorts in that shot. You can't miss me. Oh, I'm gonna have to go back and look at yeah, that. Opening crowd. You that's Matt. You know? And I didn't know. And Baywatch shorts, which it was is my funny. Baywatch shorts. Wow. You know, I was actually really bummed that that got canceled Baywatch Hawaii uh, because of the the visuals were just awesome yeah I, I br TV's hard because it's a long season I'd rather do commercials or movies yeah. you know yeah. so being in Hawaii you you do them all you do mu music videos it keeps you busy yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so and you get a reputation in all the the, the uh, sub arts of motion picture and um so i would be doing all of them tv movies commercials those are fun too there's a few people that have been fortunate enough to be out there for a few shows and actually live there because of that daniel day kim is one of them yeah good he guy. was out there on lost right good, yeah, yeah and I, then i worked a lot with him oh okay awesome you have any stories that you want to share about him or just uh uh, absolute nice guy very cooperative okay you know you call him up hey Daniel we're gonna do this so I know it's your day off but you know I used to run the second units okay stunt units or aerial units or whatever yeah inserts and in, uh, for um, the first three seasons of Hawaii 5 -0. okay then I went to school 
Anyway, so I, you can call. He can always count on. He won't complain. He won't, I won't. So he's a great guy. How many Smart seasons guy, of Lost was filmed out there? Lost or was, Lost? I think maybe four. Five, was it no more? More, more, than was that. more than that. Maybe. And then and then he transitioned from Lost to Hawaii Five yeah, O. Yeah. And I thought, how cool is that? That he could actually go it, from one show to another, and not have to leave the island. He didn't have to leave his house. Yeah. <laughs> Is he still out there? But Jorge also transferred. Oh yeah, about four he years did. later, uh, after I left, he he came on the show. So, uh, is he still out there too? Yeah, he's still out there too. Okay, he cut his hair, right? I don't know. I thought he did. Yeah, I thought the last <laughs> time I saw him, I, I didn't really recognize him because he cut that uh. that curly hair that he oh, had. No, that's his trademark. That's his trademark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll tell you my two favorite movies I worked on. Okay. Only because they're so realistic, you thought you were there. Pearl Harbor, which, well, if you, it seemed like it was more realistic being on the set than watching the movie. Okay. Maybe because of all the computer effects. Okay. Okay. And then I did this great movie called Father Dam Molokai and the Story of Father Damien. A lot of stars. We actually filmed it on the Kalapapa Peninsula, which was the used to call it a leprosy colony, but that's a not a Politically correct, correct word. It's yeah. a Hansen's disease, and we and uh, I, I got four real patients that were still living to be on the set. That was my crowning. <laughs> but anyway, it was like being in the Kalapapa town. It's like you're in the 30s. Okay. Then going on the set on the other side of the peninsula, it's like being there and talk about locations. The biggest sea cliffs in the world, the bluest oceans, yeah. and you're right there, beautiful. And it, is, it felt like I was there back in time, both those shows. Wow. In Pearl Harbor, I always like to tell the story, in the part of the runway, not the runways, but the taxiways or the tarmac, there's still existing bullet holes strafing from the, the Japanese Zero. They're still really? there. Really? So our special effects guys, took advantage of these holes in the cement and put their little plastic explosions in the wow. holes. So when you see a shot of these straping Japanese holes going up the building, those were the actual holes yeah. the, the original strafing, original bullets are in. So wow. was, things like that were kind of incredible. That so, is, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. How'd you end up in Rancho Cucamonga? <laughs> <laughs> like I said, my... I was working on a sh just beginning a show, getting my crew together, and then another show called me and said, "Oh no, the same show called me up." I said, "Man, I'm going to take two of your assistants away and put them in the accounting department." What? Yeah. What are you doing that for? Let's leave them alone. They're mine. And they said, "Because they're the smart ones, and we need someone smart in the in the accounting department." Let that be a lesson, folks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that when you're the smart one and you do a good job, know it. That, that, that <laughs> right. so I said, and I'm looking at my wife who just, I was at the peak of my career making money. Good money, yeah. And my wife retired because she finally felt comfortable enough to retire early. She had a really good accounting job in this big insurance company in Honolulu. And she had a corner office and half a floor yeah, of people yeah. working under her. She was pretty good, pretty good accountant. 
And, and she retired, and I never saw her smile. These three weeks, she had these big smiles because no pressure finally. Yeah. And I'm on the phone. You say, no way. And I look at my wife. Take my wife. She's an accountant. <laughs> she looks at me, what? What's going on? Right. Anyway, she said, all right, I'll do very simple stuff. As long as I don't have to think much. Anyway, she's very, she's high demand as an accountant in the okay. film industry. So she works all over. She's done big movies all the time. And, um, and opposite, she gets all the phone calls. I don't get any anymore. Oh, okay. Uh, <laughs> that's life. So and that's what brought you out here. Yeah. To, so, like so I said, to visit her. For our listeners, just to give them a, a sense of perspective, Rancho Cucamonga is about 20 minutes away from the Desert Oasis Room. Yeah. It is inland. Uh, you know, again, Desert Oasis Room is called what it is because we are very much inland and we are close desert. to the <laughs> desert right yeah. um, Rancho Cucamonga is one of the inland empire towns which is actually a really great town to live in lots of great shopping there safe neighborhoods close to the mountains but it is inland and so it's a lot different than living on an island because you know yeah. you're surrounded by water when you're in Hawaii and that becomes part of the lifestyle right I mean I've been to LA a lot as an adult but never thinking I'd move here. Okay. I didn't like the earthquakes and stuff. Yeah. And my wife would get mad. Move to LA because you get a lot more work. And, you know, I don't care. So, uh, but I didn't realize the mountains are so tall. You get snow here. Yeah. On the tops of yeah. it. Yeah. It freaked me out. <laughs> and Rancho, where you live, you're, uh, you're right closer to the mountains. So, mm -hmm. if you go up Mountain Avenue, you can be at Baldy in like... Right. 20 some minutes you know right, right and on a good winter you don't have to go very high <laughs> no get some snow yeah, like this last weekend right which you never seen any of that on oahu you know what's weird what? is i used to really be into snowboarding in the 90s and so i was born in 68 so i was like in my mid to late 20s in the 90s mm -hmm. and when I was in Waikiki, interestingly enough, it's a funny memory now, I bought a snowboard in <laughs> Waikiki. And this was like in mid-90s. Of all places. 95. Yeah, like of all places. And I remember, and the reason why I bought it was I was there in the summertime. I was at a surf shop at, um, what's the mall that's across the street from the International Marketplace on Kalakaua? Uh, international marketplace. Oh, I know what you. The, it's uh, it's another. Be, it's between the Royal Hawaiian yeah. and like Lures Street. Oh, um, it's right in front of the Royal Hawaiian. It's uh, Royal Hawaiian Shopping Center. <laughs> Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay, so big outdoor mall, right? Yeah. And um, I was in a surf shop there, and they had snowboards and they had them on sale. It was summer, and I think these were like last season's boards mm -hmm, or something. Mm -hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, these prices are, are so cheap. I'm just going to check it in as luggage. Right. And at right. the time, there was no luggage limit check-in, right? You could check in. Those were the days. Those were the days, right? Mm -hmm. They would wrap it in paper, and they would they would just, uh, uh, you know, packing tape the whole thing. And, and then I would just check it into as a check-in mm -hmm. luggage. And I remember when I was paying for it, the guy was asking me at the counter, so what's it like to snowboard? <laughs> and we just sell them <laughs> and he said and he said is it like surfing and i said 
no it's a little bit different <laughs> so and and the, it's funny because like my when the surfers i surfers can pick it up pretty good pretty well fast. so it's different but that was what was hard for me to pick it up was that i had the habits that i had from surfing uh, were different uh, so uh, so i'll uh, tell you how it was different when when you're snowboarding you steer from you know you 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 swing your back leg out yeah, to rear, to yeah. to steer but when you surf you swing your front leg yeah so that's what was giving me trouble right cuz i was like i i was getting frustrated and then when i realized that i just switched which leg i was steering with and then i was <laughs> able to pick it up and then the <laughs> other thing that was tough for me was that when i surf and i wipe out i would tuck usually tuck my head into my shoulder right and i didn't put my hands up i never put my hands up because oh, i never man. had to right i know and, where you're going with this and then when i would snowboard every time i'd fall that my instinct like i would automatically just tuck my head into my shoulder without putting my hands up Ouch. and it it yeah i took a few hard falls before i started to have to like make the habit of putting my hands up so that i'm not face planting into the snow uh, you know well my same hearing problem prevents me from having a good balance okay so i ended up becoming a pretty pretty good body surfer okay not a stand-up surfer okay because of my balance yeah my, my little brother's pretty good and, and everybody else i know so i ended up this body surf which i love because it's like nature oh yeah 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 you and once I got my big belly, I think it's aerodynamics. Uh, I, I couldn't flow on the wave like I used to. Did you? Do you use a? Um, what do they call that? That you put a handboard? Hand? No, yeah, I never no. Did. Okay, I was all natural. It was all natural. Okay. It's uh, it's picking. It's 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 about picking the right wave. So, yeah. In the yeah. right spot. Yeah, so. yeah. What was your beach? Where, where did you used to do that mostly? Well, I remember when I was my freshman year, I'd go out with the big boys on pounders in town. Not pound, yeah, not pounders. Um, oh boy, so long it's been. It's off of Kaiser. Uh, anyway, it's where all the big, the world champions would go and all this stuff. So, I would go out there during the daytime because I'd skip class, and there would be nobody there except maybe one guy. He was an accountant and also the world champion, but I forget his name. And it would just be me and him all day long. Oh, nice. So. And you know, I'd watch him. I'd do his tricks, and but I was I didn't I never entered a competition. You know, okay, so. uh, there's a few surfers like that. Yeah, very yeah. good, but they don't enter competitions. So. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm. I'm sure you know who Laird Hamilton is. Oh yeah, I was worked with him because a couple of years ago we did a a special video uh, fundraiser with with The Rock. Oh and nice. A huge concert down there. And he was really great. He was really good to the he. It was about uh, veterans who who got hurt, you know, missing limbs and stuff like that. Okay. So, uh, He's one of my favorites. Yeah. So and he was all supporting that. It was great. He's an awesome guy. He is. And he's one of those guys that's an excellent waterman out of Hawaii that's oh, yeah. never been in a contest. Yeah, but he, everybody knows him. Everybody, and he's yeah. world famous for being a surfer, uh -huh. but he's never been in a contest. Yeah, I have a real good friend like that, Chuck Andrews. Every time I go to North Shore, he, all the photographers, the yeah. pro photographers filming the pro, who, who, who's that? Who's that? Because, yeah, yeah. wow, look at him go. Oh, that's Chuck Andrews. Oh, yeah, I heard of him. 
Yeah, he doesn't enter contests. That's why he didn't have sponsors. You don't know yeah, him. So, yeah. but he's just as good as all those world champs. I, I still don't know how Laird makes his money if he's not... <laughs> You know what I, I mean? Know. Maybe he's selling surfboards or something. Yeah. I'm Chuck sure Andrews is a shaper, so he sells surfboards. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, like, you know, Laird's got a house in... A nice one. I think he's living in Kauai these days. was Maui. But it was Maui, know. but I think he's in Kauai now. Yeah, I think so, too. And then he's also got a house in Malibu, and he mm. spends half the year in Malibu and half the year in Kauai. And when there were those big fires in Malibu recently, mm-hmm. last year... He did a live video on his social media when he was trying to drive out from mm-hmm. his home, and it was fire on both sides of his truck mm-hmm. as he was as he was driving through it trying to uh, get out. And it was it was at nighttime, so it looked really oh, really crazy, oh. you know. Which is not like lava. Lava in Hawaii moves so slow you can walk next to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I got stories about filming in lava, but I'm not gonna. Do it on the air. It's okay. Rated R. We don't want to talk about that. Okay. <laughs> there's um, there's always stuff happening on the Big Island with the lava, and I think uh, there was a tour boat that came real close to oh, it. Yeah. And what was the story on that? Um, I think it spit. It spits up and it yeah. hits some passengers. Yeah. That's a ball of super hot magma just heading to you, size of a softball. Yeah. It was like a thousand degrees. Yeah. It's melted rock. It's, yeah, yeah, it's crazy. That hits you, boy. It's a permanent scar. And the tour boats want to get you close so you can get your pictures and they mm. can get the Yelp rating of, you mm. know, oh, they it was such an excellent tour. They took us close to the lava, blah, blah, blah. And um, I should say it's like one of the most beautiful things in the world is lava at night. Yeah. <laughs> Dangerous. But God, gorgeous. gorgeous. It's crazy to me when I see the big lava fields. I haven't seen the lava fields in the Big Island. Mm-hmm. But Maui, I've been to the, the lava mm-hmm, fields mm-hmm. out there. But some of it, though, looks like another planet, mm-hmm. right? Like Big Island, I've never seen it in person. I've seen it on TV and things like that. Mm-hmm. And it just looks like another planet. It looks like you're on the moon. Just big fields yeah. of gray, you know? They did the Planet of the Apes with uh, Mikey Mike, what's his name? Uh, uh, yeah, Marky Mark. Marky Mark. Marky Mark, 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 Mark Wahlberg, yeah. His version, remember that? Yeah. They filmed that a lot on the lava fields because it looked like another planet. So, oh, on the interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Do they have insurance for, like here in California, we have earthquake insurance. Volcan- lava insurance? Volcan- like volcanic? Vo- no. No. So if you, because I had heard about, a, f- a friend of mine said they ha- a couple that they know was mm-hmm. going to relocate to the Big Island. They just had a house built. It just got finished. And then the lava ate it. And wiped it out. Yeah. Well, there's a reason that land is super cheap. <laughs> oh. So instead of paying for expensive insurance, you just... Buy uh, super cheap land. I mean, super cheap. Uh, and then if the lava goes, a lot of half those people just rebuild on top of the new lava. Right. Because they own the land under it. Right, right. You know, so still their land, even though it's another 10 feet higher. So I've seen that too. Yeah. I've seen that in one of those house hunter shows mm-hmm. where they had a house built on top of the lava. And I thought, 
why would anyone want to live there? <laughs> I mean, it was so unappealing. The 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 landscape, it mm-hmm. was basically dead, right? There was no there was no um, right. was, foliage around you. Right. It looked like it was just all rock. That's it. You're just living on top of a rock. I had a I had a friend who lived there this big eruption last year. Beautiful place, Kapoho. It's hardly any no tourists goes there. Even locals don't go there. It's just a small little bit village on the wall. My friend, he's a South Sea Cinema Society member, a property attorney. Okay. Had a Shangri-La. And all his neighbors had these beautiful, on the uh, beachside, on the shore. And they had natural pools with lava rock, you know. I mean, it was just incredible. It looked like a giant movie set. I don't know. It's a beautiful town. But in 20 minutes, that whole village was wiped out. That whole bay, the bay was filled in. Wow. It was a Shangri-La. I was a little jealous, but not a lot, but. I was happy for him, but he had two homes. One of his homes was his guest house and his big uh, South Sea Cinema theater. So he would show all these old right. movies there with very expensive gear, you know, top of the line, yeah, twenty thousand dollar, you know, speakers and you know, all these lava swallowed all up, just wiped everything out. So, but wow. he did. He did say it took me months to contact him again but he did save his collection back them up so okay <laughs> his films you know his blu-rays and stuff so. when it's coming you mean you know it's coming right yeah you know it's coming yeah so you can you can you can plan yeah you can get stuff out and you can right right but still i mean like you can't save the property there's not there <coughs> no. was something that somebody posted one time you know with, with these lava flows that just happened like last year right mm-hmm. was it last year Right. And um, <laughs> someone posted on social media, someone's got to stop this. How, how do we stop this? We, you know, like it's because it just wouldn't stop. Right? And, then, okay. and then, of course, people were in the comments were making jokes like, maybe you can call in. Um, what was lay, that guy? Lay Tom, in front Tommy, of me. Uh, yeah, right. Uh, the, the guy from uh, the movie Volcano. Do you ever see that movie Volcano? Uh, Tom Hanks? No, was, uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh yeah, that volcano. All so right. like it was, it was a really hokey movie where mm-hmm. yeah. there was like a lava flow that uh, came out of La Brea tar pits or something, <laughs> and then he created this. They used those freeway barriers, right, to to create that. this flow down Wilshire Boulevard and have it empty out into the Pacific Ocean. Oh yeah, really corny thing, and uh, so people were making jokes like that, and of course, like you can't stop. Mother Nature. I mean, that's now the mass behind those. Even slow moving, it did move those barriers like they weren't there. Go over them, and yeah, you have to build like uh, Grand, uh, the Grand Coulee dams or something. Giant dams, you know, hundreds yeah. of feet tall. And but then it would it would thick. melt through all that too, right? Well, there's it's impossible to build. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I mean, like, Not even if you, in the world. if you built some kind of structure. To try to flow yeah. or create some kind of flow, they've attempted to, and I, I personally wonder why they don't. It's because you can't predict where the flow is going to start and where is it going to go. Oh, that's okay. the problem. Okay, you can't. It's like predicting hurricanes or predicting, you know, uh, those whirlwinds. Uh, 
in, in the mid Midwest. So. What's crazy to me is seeing roads that disappear into a lava field, right? A road <laughs> yeah. that's, that's always a good shot. Yeah. That it's been there forever. And then now right. there's a lava field that crossed it and it's 10, 15 feet tall. I actually wrote a movie called about Madame Pele. Okay. Uh, but I stopped one. It was my wife's idea, not mine. She didn't like that. And the other, <laughs> <laughs> even if you I, give her credit, <laughs> I, I have some cousins that were really into Madame Pele and okay. they didn't like it either. You know? Oh, really? And even though a lot of other Hawaiians loved it, so you know, it's telling Hawaiian stories, you know, yeah, on yeah. film. And so um, it was, it was, I thought it was pretty good, but maybe eh, not politically correct. What's the thought about that, though? I mean, that's a tough subject. It was like appropriation and yeah. the tiki movement. It's a, it's a, I can answer the subject with the tiki movie, but you know. There are still a small handful of real people who still worship Hawaiian ancient gods. So I was going to say that because let's chat about this a little bit. I I want to just give my thoughts about that mm -hmm. cultural appropriation stuff. You know, there's been a lot of talk about that lately, mm -hmm. you know, past year or so. And, you know, this whole Tiki mainland concept. Mm hmm you know, is, I mean, like it's, it's there, right? I mean, it was something that happened in the mm -hmm. mid century. It's history. It's history. It comes from a place of reverence and mm -hmm. celebration. What happened though is, you know, when it morphed, you ended up having people drawing these images of the guy with the spear and the bone through his nose <laughs> and, with one foot up in the air and a goofy, you know, expression on mm -hmm. his face. Mm -hmm. And you're like, okay, now are you appreciating the culture? Or you disrespecting know, or disrespecting it, it yeah. right? Um, and so a cultural appropriation exists. I'm I mean, you know, it just does. You know, the easiest way for me to describe it to people that don't understand is if you look at an image, does it look blackface to you? Because that's how <laughs> Cartoonish. I... Cartoonish. To me, it's like, okay, if that looks like Polynesian blackface, that's appropriation, right? So when you look at the old guys like Don the Beachcomber and Trader Vic's, mm -hmm. they never had any kind of imagery no. that was like the blackface of Polynesia, right? Mm -hmm. It was very much as authentic as they could keep the it. The arts. The arts, Yeah. Oceanic art, mm -hmm. essentially, tribal art, Polynesian art. Mm -hmm. um, and when you look at that now, right, is that establishment or that artist or that performer, are they, are they maintaining the reverence and respect that, you know, that, that is part of that culture? Mm -hmm. Or have they turned it into something that is disrespectful disrespect maybe even commercial you know yeah but yeah no i i totally agree with you personally we have another week on this podcast but personally, <laughs> personally uh, uh i i used to for me i use a you know the old adage imitation is a form of flattery right and researching south sea cinema and researching dorothy lamore for example mm -hmm. 
Um, she wasn't Hawaiian. Mm-hmm. She's from Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but the people of Hawaii really, really loved her. Yeah. And she would go every summer, do her hula lessons. Um, everybody enjoyed her. And she really enjoyed Hawaii. Yeah. And maybe it's that, it's that she respected the Yeah, country. again, it's respect and reverence. Right. And I've also said to other people that, like, you know, look at this tiki that mm-hmm. people are, you know, calling cultural appropriation. And some of the tiki community says, oh, that's so stupid that they would say that. And I'd say, well, look at this tiki. This is supposed to be one of their gods. Look what you did to one of their gods. Mm-hmm. This, this is like uh, something that's very important to them that they revere that that you like you said there's still people that worship some of these gods and look what you've done to their god you mm-hmm. know how do you expect them to feel of course they're going to be offended of course they're going to be angry you know mm-hmm. and only when you understand that can you look at what you're doing and say you know what this is not the direction that i should do this carving or this mm-hmm. piece of art this this is the direction i should go well, the other thing, and I wrote about this, is in the history of the tiki movement, as we all know, uh, there was pre-tiki stuff, and I call the Polynesian influence, and that goes back to over 100 years ago. And Anyway, the World War II period was a huge period in history and in the tiki movement because the, the million soldiers went to fight in, in the Pacific. We all know this story. Yeah. Uh, of course, war is not as hell, and a lot of them probably blotted that out of their mind, the violent part. But after Pearl Harbor became the most protective place to be in the world. Right. Because there were a million soldiers around now, yeah. and thousands of new ships and armaments all around the island. So, anyway, Hawaii was a very, it was in the north of the Pacific. Not the South Pacific, so right, right. which was closer to to Asia and Japan. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, but these millions of soldiers had to go through Hawaii to get down there to fight, and they would come back on leave. Uh, most of them did a lot of training in the military bases. Now there's a lot of military bases, and still there, but they used to train anyway. They they spent some time on Hawaii. It was the first time for many of them. Mm-hmm. And they loved it. The positive part of the war. I mean, there's no such thing as positive part of the war. But I'm trying to say, in this case, they loved their experience. They loved their interactions in the Aloha spirit with the islanders. And uh, I blotted out the violence, probably. If I was a, a closet psychiatrist, I would probably say that. But yeah. But when they return home, they only thought of the good memories. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the trinkets they brought, brought with them, you know, were precious to them mm-hmm. and reminded them of those, the positive side of the islands, which is beautiful hospitality, beautiful weather, beautiful everything, right? So so they, it's a homage. It's They built upon that. But the new generation, you have to watch out for. You have to... So they did it because of love and their experiences. But this new generation... They need to do some homework. They need to yeah, know the background of the tiki movement of yeah. the mid-century. Yeah, what was their uh, uh, intent? Yeah, it was basically you know they wanted to keep those good memories. Yeah, but the new generation they have a different experience, so they need to learn that. They need to learn 
the, the real culture. They need yeah. to do a little homework. Don't make stupid tikis that don't look like anything, yeah. look like yeah. clowns or something. I agree. Because the early carvers in California, they all did, a lot of them went down to the islands, a lot of them did good yep. homework. Yeah. And their their art is good. And if you look at the guys, and like, respectful. for example, from Oceanic Arts, yeah, Bob and Leroy. Good examples. They were trying to emulate yeah. authentic carvings. They weren't creating their own kind of goofy styles and right. calling right. it tiki and passing it off as such. They were very respectful of, like, you know. Exactly. Good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, and for our listeners that don't know, just so that they know a little bit about your background too, Matthew, is that Matthew is studying a doctorate right now in Polynesian studies. And we were speaking earlier about a friend of mine, Tricia Allen, who also has mm-hmm. a doctorate in Polynesian culture and Polynesian studies. Mm-hmm. She was teaching at UH at one point. And she and I had this discussion before too, where mm-hmm. she says, you know, a lot of times people don't know that what they're creating is offensive and she's she's like sometimes I have to like look at what they're doing when they ask me like hey what do you think of this or what do you think of that and mm-hmm. I can look at it and I can say okay well some symbols mean different things it might be the same symbol across different Polynesian cultures and mm-hmm. you know could, could have different meanings right and that same symbol could be acceptable in one culture and considered offensive in another culture. Mm-hmm. And and a great example of that, for lack of a better example, is the swastika, which mm. that was a symbol of peace mm. with mm. the, the Indian Indians. with yeah, the Indian Mex- culture. Mexico, right? And then it was flipped the other way around and when the Nazis basically um what's the word that I'm looking for? But when they when they appropriated that mm-hmm. that symbol and it became a symbol of evil now. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So um so that's just some food for thought there, you know. Yeah. Well, the, one more thing we all know is the history part. This legitimate movement in the mid-century was a, a subculture of the American experience. It yes. Was there, it's a pop, popular culture, pop culture, and it's legit, and, it, you know, it was part of history. So people are emulating that part, mm-hmm. not necessarily the island part. Right. Even though the, the original... Respected the islands, so right. Great point. Right, right. So great point. You have to. Uh, I mean, the way again, the way I look at it is, people look at this beautiful room. People come in to a room like this, a, a good tiki bar. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> a home or commercial, and it's this flattery everywhere. I mean, hey, good job on that. Hey, good job. Thanks. <laughs> you know, and, and uh, you you could see. That people just dig your culture. And what's wrong with that? Yeah. You know, what's yeah. wrong with other people digging your culture? I don't understand yeah. why some people get, get offended by it. So, yeah. You know, they love our Aloha shirts or Hawaiian shirts. Yeah. Everybody's wearing flip flops now. We call them slippers. Slippers. Right. Look at you wearing yours. Flip flops. That's two four letter words <laughs> that start with F. We call these slippers. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm digging it. I go to the store. I, I said a little correction. I have my master's degree in Pacific Island studies. And I started to uh, do a doctorate in American studies. Oh, it was American. Okay. So I, I apologize for that. No, thank no you, worry. Thank you for correcting but me. But I, I started to do it in, uh, to, to learn the American movies of. Mm. 
Polynesia, South Sea Cinema. So I was right. No, then I thought, I'm going to learn the Polynesian influence in America. And all the professors at the University of Hawaii used to tell me, good idea, Matt. You know why? Because we're always doing the opposite. We're studying the American influence on the islands. But nobody's ever done a paper on the Polynesian influence yeah. uh, on the mainland. And Tiki is just one chapter. Yeah. There's so much other aspects of the Polynesian influence, like slippers and where do I, um, poke. If I want to read about this, mm-hmm. where where are you going to be publishing this? Where Are you publishing it? I, see, I'm finishing one book because uh, the representation of Polynesia in American film, uh, the sexualized representation. It's more of an academic book. Okay. Then I want to do the big Polynesian influence book with a partner I have, uh, DeSoto Brown in Hawaii. Oh, DeSoto Brown. Yeah. Yeah. Good friend and associate. He was one of the founding members of South Sea Cinema Society. Yeah. I know that name. Oh, yeah. 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 He's a a biggie done. Big collector. Mm -hmm. Big collector. Yeah. So he's a... The historian of Bishop Museum, which is a big mm-hmm. museum in the Pacific, in Hunt, based in Honolulu. Wow. He's their official historian. Cool. Yeah. So. Wow. Wow. So we got to do that. I mean, I mean, that's one example, music sheets. We talked about music in mm-hmm. the 20s and 30s. There wasn't record players. There wasn't tapes. There wasn't CDs. It wasn't download streaming. It was music sheets. And... People would buy them because everybody had one p- piano player in their family, mm-hmm. and they would, the family would gather and they'd play the piano and sing. That's mm-hmm. how they got their music entertainment back then, pre-radio. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so there's just hundreds of beautiful. Uh, there's two kinds: Hawaii-based music sheets and New York-based okay. music sheets. And so, just those images alone. That's an, just another chapter alone. So. Yeah. The early music predates pre tiki. So yeah, yeah, yeah. There's wow. just all kinds of stuff. I right? can't wait to. I can't wait to read whatever it is that, that yeah, you, you know what you're putting together here. Sounds really interesting. Yeah, you frame a Hawaiian music sheet. Everybody knows. Uh, yeah, Wiki Wacky I call from New York, and those will all do well in a tiki bar. You know, a yeah. frame music sheet, Hawaiian music sheet from the 30s or something. Yeah. Like that. yeah. Wow. Is there any other culture that's as influential to the world as Polynesian culture? You know, I'm going to tell you a story. When I, my mother's Hawaiian, she was a hula instructor. I, I think she was beautiful. And, I'm sure she was. Uh, she, um, when we moved to a kind of an upper middle class neighborhood in Washington State, you know, this is uh, late 60s, early 70s. You couldn't, yeah, late 60s. You know, blacks couldn't move there. Mm-hmm. Latinos couldn't move there. Oh, boy. Mm-hmm. They'd be kicked out. There'd be a riot. And this is what's crazy is that it wasn't that long ago. No. Right? No, I remember it. So It's like in our lifetime. But here comes this Hawaiian widow, and she moves into the neighborhood. What do they do? They didn't riot and throw eggs at the window. Yeah. They all went to, hey, our next cocktail party, please come because right. you're going to be the center of right. attention. We're right. going to host you. We love you. And I, and I've scratched my head. Why are we so different? Yeah. Why are the Polynesians 
treated so differently compared yeah. to other races. Yeah. You know, we don't have white skin, and then, oh, I do, but anyway, <laughs> what is that about? Again, the love from World War II, I don't know, even it was way before World War II. Yeah. You know, the, the when America conquered Hawaii, I over, overthrown Hawaii, there's always been a close connection mm-hmm. between America and and Hawaii, and there's, you know, France and the French Polynesians, and, you know, I don't know why... It's a great question, right? Because it's a great question. It's permeated not just American culture, but you know, you can see you'll see island culture or tiki culture all over the world. Yeah. You know? My wife's gonna There's be going some to influence somewhere. Yeah. My wife's gonna be going to Barcelona next month. Mm-hmm. And I thought, Oh, and I said to her while you're in Barcelona, there's a couple of tiki bars over there. Can you pick up some mugs for me? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, you know, if you look at these bars, they're very well done. Mm-hmm. And they are not done in the comical clown tiki yeah, sense, right. right? The Party City style. They are done with respect and reverence. They're done mm-hmm. with authenticity. Mm-hmm. The way that we celebrate mid-century Polynesian pop style tiki, right? And, you know... Well, maybe I kind of know. It, it, it's all to do with this escapism. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If an average nine to five cement white guy, you know, in the Western culture wants to escape, where do they go? It's always the islands in the Pacific. They yeah, don't escape yeah. to Alaska in the snow or, you know, they escape yeah. to the. And, and the reason they, maybe it's because all those ship logs. Early plays in Europe, Polynesian, all those early books written by huge worldwide authors, uh, and and then early movies. I mean, this the mass media mm-hmm. had to have taught the masses, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that this is paradise. Yeah, that's their message. Sure, yeah. Let's yeah. escape here. Let's escape to our neighborhood tiki bar. Because we can't afford to go down to the island, right? Right. And this escape movies. There's a uh, Sven and Otto and I did this the South Sea Cinema theme Tiki Oasis last year. Mm-hmm. And we had a lot of email discussions, and one of th- one of the discussions is that uh, uh, the comparison between South Sea Cinema and the Tiki movement, and uh, there's a lot of comparisons. But one of the things is the same thing people go to the theaters to watch a South Sea movie no windows and just get absorbed on the screen it's right. the same darn thing it's when the they same, go into Tiki yeah, Bar it's being transported with no windows yeah. to escape their 9 to 5 yeah. chaos and just relax you know yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it's a special people always escape to to the islands when you were living in the islands though mm-hmm. I mean did you have, did you have an escape for yourself out there, or was it just yeah, your lifestyle? Yeah, you go hike in the there? mountains. <laughs> yeah, okay. You go hike with waterfalls or nature, and you can do that all over. Well, and that's funny though. I was, you know, we all know the tiki influence came to Hawaii because mm-hmm. we didn't have much. Yeah, there wasn't tiki in mid-century, Hawaii. Mid-century, a lot yeah. of those great bands, tiki yeah. bands, all started in Waikiki. And for for those that are listening that are not, I mean, I'm, I'm sure most of our audience is already familiar with the reason why, but um, 
what would you say, colonialism or the missionaries that basically <laughs> made them believe that what they were doing was wrong, that they were worshiping pagans. Right, right. And so they had them burned their idols, right? They had them yeah, burned their tikis and almost wiped them out completely. And if, the hula, they tried to do yeah, that Yeah, the, the same hula. thing with the hula. And yeah, almost yeah. Wiped, it out, wiped it out completely. And ironically, it is mainland tiki that found its way back to the islands. That and there was a renaissance of culture in the late, uh, early 70s that, what are we doing? Where's We're losing our language. We're losing our yeah, arts. Yeah. We're losing yeah. our culture. And we woke up. And so it did a 180. You know? And you know what's was scary is that the Hawaiian language almost went extinct. Yeah. And well, look at me. My grandfather told his beautiful Hawaiian girl, you got to marry a white guy because economically you're going to get ahead and you don't speak, P he was a school principal, Hawaiian. He said, and you don't speak pigeon and you don't, and Kamehameha schools, wasn't, you weren't allowed to speak Hawaiian. I was gone. So my mom married a fair guy and look at me. And my, I don't have a Hawaiian middle name, which is unheard of nowadays. Mm -hmm. After the Renaissance, all everybody has their kids. If you have Hawaiian blood, you got a Hawaiian name. So right, right. So well, wait, I, Kamehameha um, schools. I thought they were they were teaching Hawaiian language, right? And Kamehameha. So one time, it, Hawaiian language was banned from the campus. And Kamehameha schools, again, for our listeners that don't know, mm -hmm. you have to have Hawaiian blood to attend yeah. Kamehameha schools. You if you don't have Hawaiian blood, you're not admitted. Right, yeah. because it's part of a big will of one, one of our last princesses yeah. who okay. owned the school. Right, right. They have one of the largest endowments in the world, bigger than Yale or Harvard. Really? That I didn't know. Because it's owned by Bishop of State, who owns the fifth of the islands. Can you speak some Hawaiian uh, I took two years. I'm, my, my, my last teacher told me it was awful, so I don't like to speak it. <laughs> Because my hearing problem. Okay. I think I sound good, but so I don't sound what good. What is the structure? Is it similar to other languages? No, because I do speak Spanish. Okay. So it's it's it, there's some differences. Again, we hardly have any letters. Right. A lot of vowels. Fifteen and, letters, right? Yeah, this is a handful of consonants. So yeah. so there's a lot of uh, little gaps between the change, like L A L A A La or La A. Or la ah, you know, right. there's so many ways to say a i a because there's not too many, and they all have different meanings. Yeah. So yeah. you really got to hear that. Like yeah. I think some Chinese languages are like that too. Okay. Small words, but have, you have the way you say it. You know. Yeah. Yeah. It makes a difference. Huh? Which is the island in the Hawaiian chain that only speaks Hawaiian? Ko'olawe. Okay. It's a private island. Yeah. Yeah. And interesting, they speak with T's. Uh, most Hawaiian language speaks with a K. Yeah. The Tahiti, Marquesas, uh, all speak with T's. And so we do know there were Im immigrations from t Tiki. You know, who knows where the original Hawaiians came Probably from, we think Marquesas, which is close to t Tahiti. So. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Great history lesson podcast, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I well, I, when I came back, I came back to Hawaii during the Renaissance. So, man, I, le I learned a lot. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I came totally ignorant. 
So, you know, I was proud of what I learned. So You should be. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm, like I said, I'm Chinese, I'm Caucasian, I'm Hawaiian, but I consider myself Hawaiian, even though I don't look it, because there's billions of Chinese and there's billions of Caucasians in the world. They don't need any help. So, <laughs> there's only, only, oh, not only 20,000 pure Hawaiians left for a Wow. Uh, there's a couple of generations. Well, and, and a lot of that too is that just the diversity on the islands. Yeah. It's almost impossible. There's so much mixed races there on the islands. Yeah, like me. So. Yeah, yeah. Even me, I mean, I'm, I was born in Manila in the Philippines, grew up here in the United States. And mm -hmm. if you look at my bloodline as far as like back as I can trace it, I should be 100% Filipino, but... I did some research on my genealogy, especially mm. coming from my last name, which I had always been told that it was a Spanish name, mm. which makes sense mm -hmm. if you consider that Spain occupied the Philippines mm -hmm. for 450 some mm -hmm. years. And so I thought, okay, so it came from a Spaniard who found his way to the Philippines. Maybe he was one of the people who helped establish, uh, you know, their culture into that into those islands, right? Mm -hmm. But then I looked deeper and deeper into the name and it turns out that it's actually Portuguese. Interesting. Which makes sense because Portugal is right next door to Spain, right? right it's separated right. by a, with a I border. I was looking at your name today because I speak Spanish. I lived in Puerto Rico. That's an unusual name. Actually. Yeah. So. <laughs> it is an unusual <laughs> name. EU. Yeah. Very so It's Portuguese. Interesting. It's Portuguese. So someone in Portugal went to Spain Mm -hmm. And then from Spain went to the <laughs> Philippines. Mm -hmm. And if you follow the the you know the the path for that, it, again it makes sense. Portugal's right next door right, to Spain, sure. and then Spain conquered the Philippines. Mm -hmm. But then there's also this tie-in now that I look back and I think, okay, the Portuguese also made their way to Hawaii. Right. Right. So, is there someone from my bloodline way back then that found its way to Hawaii? I don't know. I mean, uh, like yeah. it's. Prob I would say probably not because the Portuguese right came because they later only came. On. They only came maybe a hundred yeah, yeah. fifty years they ago. They helped worked in the plantations right, as, right. as managers. So. Right. I guess yeah. I'm just looking at it from the split. Like, you know, if there was a person there or like a, a, a male and female figure that, you know, their offspring. You know, as it, as it cascaded oh, yeah. out, some yeah. made it to Spain, some made it, you know what I mean? Good like, chance. There's a good who chance. Who knows? Who knows? But um, yeah. it's kind of who a knows? full circle kind of thing, too. I, but. I really enjoy I really enjoy genealogy. I enjoy how the world is connected. Yes. If we all came from Adam and Eve or Noah after the flood or whatever, and they're doing this big DNA worldwide studies and how we are literally connected. It's going to be interesting to see that. But every time I I enjoy it and I see someone and not quite, I can't. When I first went to Hawaii, I couldn't pick out races. <laughs> My mom would say, come on, that's a Japanese, that's a Chinese, you know, that's a Korean. Mm -hmm. What? But I learned, right? Okay. And so, and then. How did you learn that, though? Because uh, I have trouble with that, too. It it. it takes time and experience okay you'll get it and uh, you don't want to get it wrong you could get a slap in the face but anyway I would go to people wow you're really interesting looking what what's your national your ra racial background some people will be taken back some people will be offended oh no no I'm sorry I it just really interests me 
Yeah. I'm positively interested in that, yeah, yeah. not negatively sure, racist. Yeah, yeah. I'm not racist. But I think it's neat because, you know, we're all going to tie in together one yeah, day. You are, yeah. So. yeah. We're all the human race. So. Yeah, you're right. I do want to say South Sea cinema, the parallels of history in the Tiki movement. You know, we both started in the early 80s, let's say, as individuals. Mm-hmm. Late 80s, we collaborative. We got organized together. Mm-hmm. We started writing books on our subjects. Uh, the Batiki exploded. It's a worldwide thing. South Sea cinema still is a little... <laughs> right, <laughs> But right. I always like to say, South Sea cinema, movies about set in the in the islands of the Pacific uh, is the official movie of, of Tiki World. So <laughs> Perfect. So why don't we end it why don't we end it there? Yeah. And just to our listeners that don't also don't know this, Matthew and I just met right before we turned this <laughs> recorder on. We chatted a little bit online through mm-hmm. Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. and I'm actually very excited to have a Neighbor. Tiki neighbor, <laughs> because I'm kind of in an island by myself out here. Yeah, I was starving for Tiki people in the Inland Empire, too. I just saw a paper. There's an article in the top 12 uh, Tiki bars in L.A. County. Mm-hmm. Then on the bottom, it listed other counties and what they had. That, I know that then, article. And then San Bernardino County, zero. Nothing. Yeah. Zero. <laughs> but, you know, you are on the western edge of that. So you're right. you're... You're close enough to some of the ones that, I mean, what's the closest one? It's probably Disney, right? Trader Sam's. Yeah, I guess uh, going on 57 going on. Yeah, I think that that's probably the closest one. But hmm. you've got the Desert Oasis room. You're always welcome here. I've got L&L Drive-In in West, in, uh, not Covina, but we have a Tokyo Central. I get Hawaiian food there. That's in Covina. So I am on the edge. Yeah. All those are right on the other side yeah. in LA County. Yeah, so. yeah. But uh, I'm glad that you came. Yeah, thanks, I hope you invite me back. Cause now I You're always I, invited back. This is going to be You're my, always invited back. Your Matthew. wife ain't going to like me soon. This is going to be my <laughs> hangout. No. So I, I think she'll be fine with you. No, I'm actually, not going to be the cable guy. Actually, stock you. I, I, don't always, <laughs> I don't always do stuff here. Every once in a while I do. Right, I'll make I sure that you're invited every time I do. Uh, I mean, it's great to have somebody that's close by. So, what, 20 minutes, right? Yeah. Last night you told me 13 minutes without traffic. Yeah, well, then you're into your town, but not to your house. Okay. It wasn't bad. There was traffic on the 10 and the 15, but I went all the way down Archibald. That's perfect. And, and I did, Archibald. It didn't take long. You know, it, uh, yeah, it comes all the way down it's now. It's like 12 miles. You gotta go around the Ontario airport, but other than that, it's okay. a straight shot from my house. Well, I appreciate it, Matthew. Thanks again for coming out. And do you have anything you want to promote while I've got you on here? SouthSeaCinema.org Okay Our website uh, If you want to learn anything about the movies We got There's over 800 movies on the subject It's just In TV shows There's just thousands of titles More than people realize That's what we spent our time researching For the last 25 years okay. All these titles And you can see our work in SouthSeaCinema.org Perfect One word And if you guys have any questions, comments, or just want to leave a shout out for Matthew, stop by our group page on Facebook, Inside the Desert Oasis Room, or follow us 
on Instagram at Polynesian Pop. And by the way, if you want to listen to some of our previous episodes, go to DesertOasisRoom.com. Okay, cheers, guys. Happy Tiki Tuesday. Happy Tiki Tuesday. <laughs>